0: I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather together right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to examine the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together we can prepare to live outside the walls. Well, this week, we're going to be talking with my favorite person in the world, my beloved bride, Kristen Putnam. Uh, she's coming in this week because this week is NFP Awareness Week, declared so by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, the USCCB. And uh, they do that every year. And so this week is a perfect time to have her on. Of course, previously she's come on and she talked uh, about marriage and love and about parenting. Uh, but this week she's going to come in in her official capacity. She is the, the founder and director of NFP Aware which is an apostolate that really focuses on raising awareness for NFP and specifically the scientific aspects of NFP. So it's going to be a good conversation, and she's just always a blast to have around anyway. Uh, We're also going to be giving away a book in the fourth segment called A Preachable Message. It's from uh, the Billings Ovulation Method. Uh, They've put together this collection of various sermons, homilies, writings uh, on NFP from really well-respected pastors, and we'll talk about that later in the show. As always, we start off our time together in prayer, in scripture, and in approaching a writing of the the church, whether it be a church father, a church doctor, or some ecclesial document. So together, let's pray. Everyone who waits for the Lord finds joy. Now we pray to him, look on us with favor, Lord, and hear us. Faithful witness, firstborn of the dead, you washed away our sins in your blood. Make us always remember your wonderful works. Look on us with favor, Lord, and hear us. You called men to be heralds of your good news. Make them strong and faithful messengers of your kingdom. Look on us with favor, Lord. King of peace, send your spirit on the leaders of the world. Turn their eyes toward the poor and the suffering. Look on us with favor, Lord, and hear us. Protect and defend those who are discriminated against because of race, color, class, language, or religion. That they may be accorded the rights and dignity which are theirs. Look on us with favor, Lord, and hear us. May all who died in your love share in your happiness with Mary, our mother, and all your holy ones. Look on us with favor, Lord, and hear us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Show favor, O Lord, to your servants and mercifully increase the gifts of your grace that made fervent in hope, faith, and charity. They may be ever watchful in keeping your commands. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Today's first reading comes from Exodus chapter 12. The children of Israel set out from Ramesses for Sukkoth, about 600,000 men on foot, not counting the little ones. A crowd of mixed ancestry also went up with them, besides their livestock, very numerous flocks and herds. Since the dough they had brought out of Egypt was not leavened, they baked it into unleavened loaves. They had rushed out of Egypt and had no opportunity even to prepare food for the journey. The time the children of Israel had stayed in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, all the hosts of the Lord left the land of Egypt on this very date. This was a night of vigil for the Lord, as He led them out of the land of Egypt So on this same night, all the children of Israel must keep a vigil for the Lord throughout their generations. This reading comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 12. Today's response royal psalm comes from Psalm 136, His mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Who remembered us in our objection, for His mercy endures forever. And freed us from our foes, for his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. Who smote the Egyptians and their firstborn, for his mercy endures forever. And brought out Israel from their midst, for his mercy endures forever. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, for his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever who split the Red Sea in twain, for his mercy endures forever, and led Israel through its midst, for his mercy endures forever. But swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea, for his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. The Gospel today comes from Matthew, chapter 12. The Pharisees went out, And took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. When Jesus realized this, he withdrew from that place. Many people followed him, and he cured them all, but he warned them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through Isaiah the prophet Behold, my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom I delight. I shall place my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not contend or cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory. And in his name all the Gentiles will hope. That gospel reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12. Today's reading from Church History comes from a homily on the Gospels by St. Gregory the Great. When Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and did not find the Lord's body, she thought it had been taken away, and so informed the disciples. After they came and saw the tomb, they too believed what Mary had told them. The text then says the disciples went back home. And it adds, but Mary wept and remained standing outside the tomb. We should reflect on Mary's attitude and the great love she felt for Christ, For though the disciples had left the tomb, she remained. She was still seeking the one she had not found. And while she sought, she wept, burning with the fire of love. She longed for him who she thought had been taken away. And so it happened that the woman who stayed behind to seek Christ was the only one to see him. For perseverance is essential to any good deed. As the voice of truth tells us, Whoever perseveres to the end will be saved. At first, she sought but did not find. But when she persevered, it happened that she found what she was looking for. When our desires are not satisfied, they grow stronger. And becoming stronger, they take hold of their object. Holy desires, likewise, grow with anticipation. And if they do not grow, they are not really desires. Anyone who succeeds in attaining the truth has burned with such a great love. As David says, My soul has thirsted for the living God. When shall I come and appear before the face of God? And so also, in the Song of Songs, the church says, I was wounded by love, and again, my soul is melted with love. Woman, why are you weeping? Whom do you seek? She is asked why she is sorrowing, so that her desire might be strengthened. For when she mentions whom she is seeking, her love is kindled all the more ardently. Jesus says to her, Mary. Jesus is not recognized when he calls her woman, so he calls her by name. As though he were saying, recognize me as I recognize you. For I do not know you as I know others, I know you as yourself. And so Mary, once addressed by name, recognizes who is speaking. She immediately calls him Rabboni, that is to say, teacher, because the one whom she sought outwardly was the one who inwardly taught her to keep on searching. That reading comes from St. Gregory the Great from a homily on the Gospels. And we have so much to learn from this. We have so much to learn from Pope Gregory the Great's analysis. Even more so, we have so much to learn from Mary Magdalene, who was not, uh, was not afraid of uncertainty. She wasn't afraid to feel deeply the longing and the sadness and the mourning of not knowing where Christ was. The disciples, they came and they saw the empty tomb and they saw uh, and assumed that someone had taken the body of Christ and they were off like a shot. They'd already had their plan of action. They Maybe they went to go talk to people whom they thought would be able to help them find the body of Christ. And so they're off running. They've already got their plan of attack and they don't even give a moment's thought to the sadness. They don't give a moment's thought to the fact that really they had no idea what to do next. They figured something out uh, just to be busy, just to try and bring uh, resolution to this but Mary Mary sat with it she sat with it and she embraced the uncertainty as it were uh, she embraced the fact that she didn't know what to do and when when the person came up to her the person of Christ who she assumed was the gardener and didn't recognize him she 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 said tell me tell me wh- tell me where they took him did you see surely you saw because you're the gardener and this is the garden and tell me where they took him and she implored but she stayed and she embraced that sadness, that, that uncertainty. You know, so often when things get difficult, as they were in this scenario, uh, we don't embrace the difficulty. We, we do whatever we can to get away from the difficulty. We find our plan of action that we figure is going to get us out of the difficulty as quickly as possible, and off we run. And this is all over the place. Uh, you know, we... Uh, We throw things away instead of fix them, whether it be an appliance, whether it be a piece of furniture, whether it be a relationship. We throw things away rather than trying to fix them because no one wants the pain of working through the difficulty. No one wants to work anymore. But Mary gives us this picture of resting in the uncertainty, of longing for resolution for Christ, and And not running off to busy ourselves with trying to make it happen, but just resting in the uncertainty. We're talking today after the break with my wife, my darling bride, uh, about Natural Family Planning Awareness Week, which has been declared by the USCCB. It comes every year uh, in this week of July. And I think that this is another area where we don't want to work. We don't want the difficulty. We want things to be easy in our relationships to where we don't ever have to experience uh, longing or waiting or hardship. And yet, with the waiting, that longing is increased. In speaking of Mary Magdalene, uh, St. Pope Gregory the, the Great says this, At first she, did, she sought but did not find. But when she persevered, it happened that she found what she was looking for. When our desires are not satisfied, they grow stronger, and becoming stronger, they take hold of their object. Holy desires, likewise, grow with anticipation. And if they do not grow, they're not really desires. But we're not willing to allow our desires to grow because we are not willing to wait. We're not willing to work for those things that it's worth waiting for. And so as we go into this, conversation later in the show, I I want to encourage you to ask yourself, uh, am I allowing myself to sit in the difficulty or am I just finding things to do to busy myself, to distract myself from the difficulty of life? Well, I want you to join this conversation over at Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. Of course, you can also leave a comment on our comment line, 918-928-KPIM. That's 918-928-5746. And I'm going to leave you with the chorus of a song by Andy Gullihorn. He and his wife, Jill Phillips, provide all the bumper music for our show, and we are grateful for it. But he's got the song that really covers this topic of wanting to take the shortcut and not really willing to take the difficult path of working for those things which are worth working for. Because we don't try to fix anything anymore Because nobody wants to work Nobody wants to work for it If it don't come easy, it ain't worth the wait Nobody wants to work Wants to work for it. Welcome to the new old fashioned way. We'll be right back. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Glad you stuck through the break. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that people generally don't like to talk about, which if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know, is my speciality. To talk about things that are generally are taboo, things that are we as a society have deep disagreement about or uh, really have an incomplete picture of. And so that's what we're doing today. Uh, this week, the USCCB, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, has declared this week every year uh, as NFP Awareness Week. Now, before you go off to getting pictures in your head of Monty Python skits, uh, natural family planning is likely not what you expect it to be. Well, Honestly, even if you are a proponent of NFP, it's likely not what you expect it to be. And so today I bring in the expert on the topic. Uh, Who just happens to be my wife. Uh, So glad to have you back on the show again, Kristen.
1: Thanks, love. I'm glad to be back.
0: Now, uh, we didn't talk about this last time. Uh, The last two times you were on, we talked about parenting and about marriage. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
0: And we just kind of left the NFP story off the table entirely. We did. Uh, But really, this is kind of your bailiwick.
1: Yes, this is what I spend a lot of my time doing.
0: Just NFP in general? I mean, you you spend your time practicing NFP or?
1: (laughs) Well, yes. (laughs) But also, I also serve on the board of a national organization of NFP. I'm on the education committee with that organization as well. I teach NFP to couples here locally and really around the world. And also I supervise other teachers. So NFP is kind of my thing.
0: Wait, wait, wait. So you teach people around the world? How exactly do you, you you travel?
1: No, we do long distance instruction via video conferencing. So we've got clients all over the United States, but we also have some that are stationed in the military in Japan, in Germany, in Peru, all over the place. We have a Peru now? I think she moved to Peru. Oh,
0: okay. Well, that... We
1: taught her when she was in Sweden.
0: Oh, oh that's, <laughs> that's different then. <laughs> all right. So... Uh, the organization that you uh, that you have founded is called
1: It's called NFP Aware and that is our personal organization and apostolate okay. that well, we teach through.
0: And I, so people could find that by going to facebook.com/nfpaware.
1: Yes, we are on Facebook. We also have a Twitter account and then if you just go to nfpaware.com, you can find us there as well.
0: All right. There's this this whole thing of, of names that sound the same. NFP aware <laughs> at Facebook, at Twitter, and at dot com. It
1: makes it easy to find us. It
0: does make it easy to find you. Well, uh, I wanted to talk to you today a little bit about NFP and talk about some of the misconceptions people have. Maybe there we'll, are many. Maybe we'll start with your own misconceptions before you started doing NFP. When you were uh, when you were engaged before you were even married and your uh, your fiance being the sensitive and caring person that he is, uh, not Catholic at the time, brought up the idea that maybe uh, NFP would be a good thing. And maybe you should talk about how you cried for like 30 (laughs) miles uh, driving down the road.
1: Yes, I did have an awful idea of what NFP was. Uh, We were in the car and you brought it up. And I just thought that this is something that I'm going to get pregnant right away. It is not going to work. And I'm getting married young anyway. And that is not something that I want to even consider. And so... After crying for a while and being the introvert I was, not really probably saying very much at all at the time, at all nothing. And so finally, it just came down to fine. I'll pray about it, which was my very spiritual way of saying, leave me alone. I don't want to talk about it right now.
0: Which, because I'm a guy, I thought that that meant I'll pray about it. <laughs> and so about two weeks later, I came back and said, so um, have you heard anything? What do you have you been praying about this?
1: No, not really. I was still avoiding it. (laughs) I did not want to fear about it. But finally, I did. And finally, I decided and acquiesced to go to an informational session. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. Let's go figure out what this is. And we probably aren't going to use it, but okay. we'll we'll check it out.
0: So we drove uh, two hours to find the nearest location where there was an NFP instructor. And we sat down with him and 15 minutes in, t- tell us just a little bit about that in that session and, it's effect on you.
1: Right. Well, the most surprising thing to me was that it was scientific, which I know may sound kind of silly, but you know, you think of NFP as being this kind of shot in the dark. You don't know Mm -hmm. you're kind of guessing and going off of averages and stuff. And, and that's just not at all what was presented to me. It was presented the research and the science that it was based on and the journals that it was published in. And, and I was amazed by that. That really spoke to me as, Oh, this is a real thing. This is, you know, this is not just a guessing game.
0: It's not like the old wives tale where you, you take a needle and put it above you on a string and it's going to tell you how many children you're going to have. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. There's actually something to it.
1: There's actually something to it and it's actually doable. Um, and it was really a lot more simple than mm-hmm. I thought it would be as well. And so, yeah, I left that meeting and I was, I was hooked. I was ready to try it. And, you know, I got back, I was still in college at the time and I got back to my dorm and I happened to live on a floor of nursing majors (laughs) that year. And so I was telling them what I was planning on doing and they all were saying, oh my gosh, no, you just got sucked in. You're going to get pregnant right away. It's totally not going to work. It's ineffective. And I said, no, no, watch you, you wait and see this is going to work.
0: And so what happened?
1: So it did work and for, you know, we wanted to start a family fairly, well, before you were 30, right? Yeah, because I, <laughs> I was
0: starting old.
1: <laughs> right. You so robbed, but You robbed even, the coffin there. <laughs> right. So even so though, we postponed for just under a year mm-hmm. of our first year of marriage and um, it, it just so happened that two other girls on my floor from college had gotten married around the same time I did, like two weeks after graduation. Right. They were both on the pill and they both got pregnant accidentally before we did on purpose. And I felt a bit vindicated in my decision.
0: <laughs> so now you you encounter people all the time who have misconceptions, maybe that were a little different than yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the misconceptions that you encounter and, and give us the reality of those situations?
1: Sure. Well, I think one of the biggest ones is that when people hear the term NFP, they yeah. think it's all one thing. And so they say, oh, yeah, I did that NFP. And I'm always asking them, well, which one? Because there are a lot of methods. There are different approaches and different scientific backing to each method as well. So I think that's the main thing is that everyone thinks it's all one thing. Um, Beyond that, there's a lot of misconceptions about just, one, it doesn't work. Two, I I don't have regular cycles, so I can't do that. Um, What else is there? There's...
0: Well, y- y- but
1: it's hard that it's really yeah. complicated. And, and I will say that some methods are more complicated than others. And so you do have to really look into what method is going to fit you best. Okay, But that it doesn't have to be a big complicated endeavor and it doesn't matter in some methods. If you are irregular or if you have PCOS, if you have endometriosis, if you have some of these conditions that people say, oh, it's impossible to chart with those. Well, no, it's not. Okay. It's perfectly, perfectly able.
0: Okay. So you mentioned that NFP is not just one thing. There are different methods out there. Uh, And some of the methods out there, you know, people pick up a book um, and that book may or may not be effective for them. And and I've generally explained it like, and this isn't going to make sense to most of you, and that's okay because it makes sense to me. Uh, You know, in in shoes, or really in any kind of clothing, uh, there's an average that they expect that you're going to fit in. And so in shoes, that's the width, right? The D width for guys' shoes, because I used to work in a shoe store. So, um, you know that's kind of like what a lot of NFP methods do. They have that, that average that most people fall into and they expect that that's where you're going to be. And there's not a whole lot of customization.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, And so
0: you've got all these different methods out there, but uh, what we're looking for and what you specifically teach is a method that's very, uh, very much tailored to the individual person, recognizing that every person is different.
1: That's right. Um, there are some methods that you know they have kind of their average of mm-hmm. what they say fertility looks like what fertility feels like and the thing is is that every woman is different and you experience signs of fertility differently and mm-hmm. so the the method that i teach is the billings ovulation method and um and it is it's so customizable to the woman and specifically also as the woman changes throughout your life your fertile signs will change as you age as you have children And it accounts for all of those things. And so it is very easy to customize it to you. And we look at day-by-day observations. So we're never looking at calendars or average length cycles or guessing it when fertility may begin based on what day it is in the cycle. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. We're looking at day-by-day observations, what is actually happening hormonally to you that day.
0: Now, what do you mean by that? Because most of the time when people think NFP, they think, Uh, Am I fertile or am I not fertile? Is this a day that my husband and I can come together? Is this a day that my wife and I can't come together? What are are you saying uh, about hormonally?
1: Okay, so within the body, yes, with NFP, you can see, am I fertile, am I not fertile at this time? But... With the Billings ovulation method, what we're actually looking at is not so much fertility and infertility. What we're looking at and what your observations are is your hormone levels reflected in the observations that you're making. And so as teachers, we don't look at the specifics. We're looking at what are the hormone patterns doing. Mm -hmm. And so that can tell you not only are you fertile or are you infertile, but it can tell you if there are hormone imbalances, if there are vitamin deficiencies, um, early signs of cancer and other bigger health problems will show up on a Billings chart because it's the hormones that we're looking at. We're really not concerned about the specific observation that you're making. Does that make sense?
0: Well, it, it does to me. <laughs> I, I, uh, I live with you. Right. So, right. <laughs> you know, but I, I think that, um, that it's a new paradigm for some people because uh, NFP is seen as something that's only dealing with their uh, with their fertility of whether or not they're going to have another kid. And people look at NFP families and they say, oh, well, look at all the kids they've got. That obviously doesn't work. <laughs> so, uh, But you're looking at something beyond uh, just fertility, beyond am I fertile, am I not, can I have another kid, can I not. Uh, in fact, your tagline is empowering women, strengthening families.
1: That's right. You know, really the Billings ovulation method is so much more than just focusing on the reproductive system we're recognizing that the whole body is intertwined and it all really does play off of each other it all works together and so we empower women by teaching them this knowledge you know what Evelyn Billings always said the knowledge that every woman has a right to have Mm -hmm. and that's one of the first things that a lot of people tell me is that why weren't they why wasn't I told this how did I not know this stuff before Mm -hmm. and it really is an empowering feeling to know exactly what's actually happening in your body on any given day
0: well, we'll continue this conversation right after the break. Why don't you join us in the conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. You can also join the conversation at facebook.com slash NFP Go ahead and go over there and like them and see what they have to offer. We're talking, of course, about natural family planning here on natural family planning awareness week. You're listening to outside the walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Glad you stuck through the break. Today, more so than other days, this may not be a topic you're really wanting to talk about, but I'm glad you're listening. Of course, we're talking with my darling wife, beautiful bride, Kristen Putnam. She is the founder of NFP Aware uh, and is on the board and and is a teacher of the Billings Ovulation Method. And we're talking about. Common misconceptions of NFP, uh, natural family planning, is uh, something that's been around for a long time, and, and you generally have people who are against it uh, either because they don't want to follow it because they feel that it's too uh, stringent, and you have other people in the church who maybe don't want to follow it because they feel that it's too lax, that uh, instead we should be providentialists. Uh, I call Humana Vitae the little encyclical that everyone hates but no one's read, uh, so I encourage you as, as part of this, and we're going to link to it on Facebook.com, I encourage you to take a look. It's a very short read. Uh, Pope Paul VI wrote, blessed Pope Paul VI, uh, wrote a, an encyclical called Humana Vitae. And it is just an excellent reason. It gives excellent rationality for the reason that the church opposes contraception. And so some people are, are against it because they feel that this is just another form of contraception. Generally, those who are more traditional in their bent. There's a great article uh, called "Is NFP Heresy" that I'll put up, and it shows the Church's approval of uh, natural family planning, as it were, as a uh, an umbrella title for methods as far back as 1853, uh, pre-Vatican II. Just in case you're not very good with history. Uh, and, and so th- there's that on that side, but then you've got people on the other side that say, well, it's really no different than than contraception, so why why should we even care? Well, you should care, and this is why. Uh, I like cop shows. Do you like cop shows? I know you like cop shows, I do Kristen. Like cop but shows. <laughs> so <laughs> you've you got this cop show, and, and you walk in, and you find a dead body on the floor, right, and you call the police, and generally the police are going to look at you to see if you're the person, but generally... If you just walk in and find that body, you are not culpable for that death, right? Well, if if you walk into a room and you find a dead body on the floor because it, that person drank a cup uh, that you put poison in, all of a sudden that culpability level rises. Now you are culpable for that death. Uh, the same is true in the difference between contraception and an FP. With NFP, you walk in uh, and you find infertility. You come in and lo and behold, uh, your your spouse is infertile. And so you bear no culpability for that. You just participate with that uh, depending on your family planning goals. Uh, Whereas contraception, you come in and you find infertility because you created it. Uh, And the creed, the the Nicene Creed that we Catholics pray uh, every and declare every week at Mass says, I believe in the Holy Spirit the Lord, the giver of life. And so when we come in and we say, I'm going to create infertility or on the vice versa side of it, I'm going to create fertility uh, through specific uh, unethical means. uh, You're saying I will be the Lord and the giver of life. And you usurp the role of God in that. And that's a very dangerous thing. Um, So, Now back to you, Kristen, you've, you've seen recently and I've seen recently numerous articles saying how difficult, uh, NFP is, how it doesn't work, how, um, there's too much abstinence involved Uh, on down the Mm -hmm. list. Uh, the list goes, I'd like for you to take a moment and maybe you've, uh, you've got people who are listening today, uh, that maybe you have experienced that difficulty and you want an answer. So Kristen, Mm -hmm. why don't you answer uh, that person who's had the difficulty?
1: Okay, well, difficulties can come from a lot of different angles when it comes to NFP. Um, One of the first ones that people say is that it's too difficult. I can barely remember to take a pill every day, much less having to do all of these things during the day. Well, here again is where I would call out some of the differences between the methods. There are some methods where it is a little bit more involved, where you have to take your temperature every morning at the same time, where you're making observations throughout the day as well. Now, that is that is a different method, but I teach, like I said, the Billings ovulation method, and we do not require those things. Billings really is just about paying attention throughout the day and writing it down at the end of the day, one or two words tops. Okay. Okay. So it's pretty simple when it comes to it. It's very, um, it's simple to get the hang of. Now we say it's simple, but not always easy. And that can speak to another complaint that a lot of people perceive is that there is a ton of abstinence involved. We're never gonna to get to be together ever again. <laughs> ever <laughs> again. Ever again. Now, I can understand that thought, that fear that a lot of people uh-huh. have, and even that experience that a lot of people have had. And what I would like to say to those who have had to abstain for very long periods of time, I would like to say that that should never be the case. And I say that because as a teacher of the Billings Ovulation Method, you know, there should never be, in a, in a regular cycle, okay. we're looking at six to eight days of abstinence in the middle of a cycle. Okay. Now, I wrote a blog on that a couple of years ago, and I had a lot of people commenting on that blog saying, Are you serious? No, that never happens. What are you saying? Six to eight days? And here's the thing is that if it's more than six to eight days, something else is going on in your cycle. That okay. needs to be looked at. And so, you know, in the Billings Method, there may be times where there are about two weeks periods of abstinence, maybe three. But your teacher, who should be sticking with you, and, and you can call them if you have questions, um, they should be able to look at those two to three weeks and pick out what is fertile and what is not. And so, we're again, in the Billings Method, we're not looking at those Averages, or we're not just looking for ovulation, we're looking at patterns of fertility and infertility. And so, what I would say to you is if you're having burdensome months upon months of abstinence, you're not fertile that whole time. And so, I would encourage you that you can find a method that may be less burdensome to you.
0: So, in the Billings method, uh, basically the general rule of thumb is if you have three cycles or three months where you have irregular cycles Mm -hmm. uh, that don't fall within that window of that six to eight days, you're supposed to go and see a doctor.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. Um, You know, another exceptions to that. If you are postpartum or breastfeeding mm -hmm. or, or if you're just coming off the pill, your cycle is going to be doing some unusual things. But even in those unusual cycles, there still should not be extended periods of abstinence.
0: So you've got a lot of people who have these extended periods of abstinence, and they say, you know, I'm done with this, and they go to their doctor, and rather than look for what's wrong and what's causing the problem, the doctor just puts them on the pill. Talk a little bit about why that's problematic.
1: Right. Okay, so if there's something wrong in your cycle, if you've been diagnosed with PCOS, endometriosis, or if you just have irregular cycles in general, the... The rule of thumb with OBs is you put them on the pill to regulate. And I'm making little hand quotes that you can't see. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you regulate the cycles. Now, here's what's actually happening. The hormones in the pill is overtaking your body and is giving the appearance of normalcy. And so it is giving you the appearance of regular bleeds and all of that, but it's not actually fixing what's going on. I think it's a very common misconception, even among some NFP practitioners, that the problem is the hormones. That you have too much estrogen, that you don't have enough progesterone. Now here's the deal, the hormones do what they do because of something else. Okay. The hormones are a response to, another, uh, to other systems in the body. And so if you're experiencing too much estrogen, too much progesterone, irregular cycles, whatever, that's not the hormone's fault. There's something underlying that that's causing the hormones to do that. So what the pill does is just covers over whatever that pathology is, and so it's not really fixing it. So whenever you get off of the pill, that problem's going to come right back. Often mm-hmm. it will be worse because it's been ignored, and so. Um,
0: so you've got some NFP practitioners who. Uh, you know, if they go to a, if they go to a doctor, they're going to get on the pill. If they go maybe to an NFP doctor, they might be putting them on uh, progesterone supplements. And you're saying that that's just as unhelpful as the pill.
1: Medically speaking, yes. Morally okay. speaking, there's a difference there. Okay. But but medically speaking, yeah, the progesterone supplement is not fixing why your progesterone's low in the first place. We need to look beyond the hormones into what is actually causing the ovarian dysfunction. There are usually five causes that could be that, and the ovarian dysfunction then affects
0: what the hormones are doing. So, you know, there's lots of NFP methods out there. You talked about that earlier. Why does the Billings ovulation method look beyond the creation of the hormones and and their effect on the body and, and go to those things that cause the hormones to produce?
1: Well, sure. I think a lot of it has to do with who we were founded by. We were founded by Dr. John and Evelyn Billings. John Billings was a neurologist. Evelyn was a pediatrician. And in those early days, two other doctors came alongside and did a lot of the research. Uh, One of them was an endocrinologist. The other was a biophysicist who actually happened to be the father of the MRI. So Hmm. I think that a lot has to do with these people were very interested in the science, in, in figuring out More, And I think that really plays out into how the method is used today and that we're not interested in just telling people if they're fertile or not. We're interested in true health and being able to figure out what your health is doing throughout your fertile life.
0: So if people want to know more about uh, NFP aware or the Billings ovulation method in general, where will they go?
1: Sure. Um, well, for the Billings Ovulation Method in the United States, you can go to www.boma-usa.org. BomaUSA.org. That is the American affiliate of the Billings Ovulation Method. And if you want to learn more about NFPAware, go to NFPAware.com or Facebook.com slash NFPAware.
0: Well, we'd like for you to join this conversation over on Facebook, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle is at outside the walls. Of course, you can also leave a comment on our comment line, 918-928-KPIM. When we come back from this break, we're going to be giving away a book called a preachable message. Uh, if you've enjoyed this talk and this interview, this is going to be a book you'll enjoy as well. So you're not going to want to miss it. We'll be right back. You're listening to outside the walls with Timothy Putnam welcome back to outside the walls with Timothy Putnam time to give something away today we're giving away a book called a preachable message uh, and it's a collection of homilies and, uh, and other texts dealing with NFP uh, from just a number of people, but not the least of which is uh, Cardinal George, Cardinal Burke, Archbishop Nauman, Archbishop Sartain, Bishop Olmsted, Bishop Conley, and just many others. Uh, and if you have enjoyed this conversation today, this is something that you're going to want for your library, perhaps something to give to your priest. Uh, and so we've got a question for you. You need to get by Google. You're going to want to be near Google and you're going to answer this either by giving me a call on my comment line, 918-928-KPIM. That's 918-928-5746. Or uh, leave a, leave me a message on facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Or on Twitter, the Twitter handle is at outside the walls. Uh, so if you're buying your Google and you're ready to go, here's the question.
1: Okay, in Humanae Vitae 17. Pope Paul VI sets out four consequences that he sees would be the result of society accepting contraception. What is one of those consequences?
0: All right. What's one of the consequences mentioned by blessed Pope Paul VI in number 17 of Humana Vitae, uh, a consequence for the acceptance of contraception? Give me a call at 918 928 kpim or leave a comment on Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls or Twitter at Outside the Walls. And the first person to get that to me, I will get this book to you. Now, uh, Kristen, before I let you go, I want to talk just a little bit more. Uh, at the end of the first segment, we talked about that that assumption people have. Oh, well, look at that NFP couple. They've got like 30 kids. Of <laughs> NFP obviously doesn't work. Now, you're a teacher mm-hmm. of NFP. You have five kids yes you have one kid on the way right your oldest kid is seven right how can you say that NFP works
1: <laughs> well I think the big thing to realize is that a lot of people actually want big families oh <gasps> I know it's shocking and that is certainly the case with us Yeah, that we have never been surprised by a positive pregnancy test we always knew exactly what would happen that day if we were to come together and we made that choice mm-hmm. we often joke uh, all of our kids were planned at least 10 minutes in advance wait that's a joke <laughs> it's not really a joke um, because you have those conversations and you make your decision And if our decision had been to postpone, then we would have made that decision differently. Mm -hmm. And so what NFP does, it it doesn't change anything in your body, unlike hormonal contraception does. All it is is information. Now, it's very useful information, but you also have to make the choices to use that information in a way that you want to accomplish what Mm -hmm. you are wishing for your family.
0: Well, the Catholic Church also... uh really promotes and encourages generosity and large families. Yes. Uh, it, it develops hospitality. It develops generosity. It develops any number of things. And NFP uh, generally is used by couples who choose to be generous in their families uh, through large families. Not to say that people who don't have large families aren't choosing to be generous. Right. But, but generally the people who use NFP that we notice that use NFP are those people who decide to have large families. Uh, And so it's, it's correlated, but not caused by Mm -hmm. the NFP.
1: Well, here's the thing is that NFP is a great practice ground for generosity and for (laughs) sacrifice. And really, you know, when you get those things, when you practice those things Mm -hmm. on a daily basis because of using NFP, well, often that can translate into the larger generosities of accepting more children into your family.
0: Yeah. So uh, you're saying that having a large family does not prove that an FP doesn't work.
1: That is correct.
0: So but people still think, you know, well, it's just guesswork. It's just, you know, if, if they've not been impressed by any of your, your arguments up to this point, mm-hmm. uh, NFP has been scientifically tested. It's been put in numerous medical journals, it's gone through numerous studies all around the world, and it has an effectiveness rating per method. You can't just take all the methods together and average them.
1: Yes, that's important to realize. <laughs>
0: Uh, Because that's what a lot of doctors see. They see, uh, oh, natural methods don't work. Here's the overall success rate of all the methods combined.
1: Right. And so that includes the rhythm method and highly scientific methods like the Billings method. Mm -hmm. They're all averaged. And so if you've heard that like 65% efficacy before, that is where that number comes
0: from. So what is the efficacy of the Billings ovulation method?
1: The Billings ovulation method has been validated at 99.5% effective. Now, what's interesting about that number, a lot of people say, oh, well, that's if you use it perfectly it's actually not the study that we got that from that is a use number and it was a study conducted by the Chinese government themselves they did their own study So they wanted to see if they would allow their citizens to use the Billings ovulation method. So they were testing it against the copper IUD. In that particular study, copper IUD got 97.2% efficacy, and the Billings ovulation method had 99.5% efficacy. And that 0.5% of pregnancies that occurred in that study were people that broke a rule. (laughs) So, And the good thing about the Billings method is there are only four rules to keep track of. And so breaking a rule can... It's, you can do it, but you should know that it's happening. There's only four of them. They're not too hard to keep track of.
0: And I I say there's a fifth rule. The fifth rule is break a rule, pick a name.
1: Yes. The rules do matter when it comes to NFP.
0: Thank you for being on the show today. I I can't say enough about how much I enjoy being around you. So thank you for being on the show today.
1: It is my pleasure, love.
0: Well, I hope you've enjoyed the show today. Maybe we answered some questions that you had, or maybe we raised questions that, that you didn't have. Maybe you have more questions now than when we started. So if you do, or if you don't, pop on over to social media, facebook.com/slash step outside the walls. The Twitter handle is at outside the walls. And you can leave me a comment on my comment line 918-928-KPIM. That's 918-928-5746. And Kristen and I will be available on online all week long to maybe give some clearer answers to your specific questions. Uh, I hope you'll come over and we'll make a conversation out of it. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. I want to remind you about the the Midwest Catholic Family Conference. Uh, You go to catholicfamilyconference.org. That's coming up in just a little less than a month, August 7th through 9th. My whole family will be there. We'll have a booth and look forward to seeing you there.